0: Welcome to the TCW Investment Insights Podcast. I'm Jamie Franco, Co-Head of Sustainable Investment at TCW.
1: And I'm Harun Dogo, the other Co-Head of Sustainable Investment at TCW.
0: And we are very glad to be here today. ESG is a really hot topic uh, among investors. Uh, And we have a lot of thoughts around uh, some of the broader trends uh, that we are seeing play out in 2023. But importantly, first, we have consolidated our efforts across TCW into a sustainable investment group to support research and investments across asset classes. And one of the things uh, that we are doing is spending a lot of time thinking about some of the broader trends in sustainable investment. Um, maybe Karun, if you want to walk through how we're viewing sustainable investing and some of the hot topics uh, that we've been spending a lot of time on uh, as we look out across 2023.
1: Thank you. And I think the the way we generally think about sustainable investment is that it's really a mega trend that's driven by three things. It's driven by government policy, consumer demand, and technological change. And for this year, just where we sit today, we think it's going to be primarily driven by policy, and that policy comes in many flavors. Some of it provides a little bit of a tailwind, some of it is a little bit of a headwind, but I think the tailwinds outpace the headwinds this year.
0: Yeah, no, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today because we spend so much time in sustainability focused on trying to meet regulatory requirements and disclosure requirements and some of the challenges there. But, you know, as Haroon mentioned, there's a number of policy that has already happened or in the pipeline that really presents some fascinating investment opportunities uh, and maybe if you could walk us through some of these exciting things. <laughs> well,
1: totally. I mean, the I think one of the big trends is that what we really saw last year at the end of this large macro cycle of stimulus is we saw a real dedication by a number of major global governments to really fund the transition, fund the transition and fund more sustainable ways of generating economic output. And... Obviously, the gorilla in the room is the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act that was passed in the fall. And just to sort of give a general sense, this thing is a package of tax credits, of loan guarantees, of funding for green banks, of a whole host of administrative and regulatory actions that surround that. But the core of it is $400 billion in tax credits, which... You know, it sounds it's an immense figure, but the thing to remember is that this is an uncapped number. That number is an estimate of what government economists think will be the amount of support. But if the economy does more, the credits will provide more. And the second big thing to remember is that the actual investment on the ground is a multiple of that. And as macroeconomists, we spend a lot of time thinking about what the multiplier effects are. But even if you're very, very conservative and say it's two times, that's still you're looking at $800 billion. And then on top of that, now you have loan guarantees. So it's very exciting. It's covering a lot of different technologies. In many parts, it's actually technology agnostic. So it's really providing a level playing field for technology to play out. And that, is a, that has really set off, in some ways, an arms race in this space. And we're already seeing responses. We're seeing Europe considering how does it support its own industry so it can keep pace, it doesn't move to the U.S., and how does that deal with So what we're seeing there is it's still in negotiations in Brussels. It's moving forward. The number that they're looking to provide— is similar to the bottom line number that we, our government economists estimated that the IRA would provide. But the thing to remember, the mix is different. It's not tax credits. Maybe there'll be some. Tax credits are not necessarily something Europe does. It will be grants and loans. And that will create a smaller multiplier than what we see in the United States. And because of that, we're actually fairly bullish on the perspective for the US to really accelerate its energy transition and, in general, the sustainability of our economy?
0: Well, and I think one of the interesting things about IRA is that it's not just exclusively focused on EVs. Or just clean tech. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the other sectors across industrials and materials and building. It's it seems. Is it fair to say that that is a pretty comprehensive approach at this low carbon transition that we need?
1: Yeah, and I think the the EVs are get and batteries are getting a lot of the news. You know, part of this is the Tesla effect, but part of this is the um, that it's what people can most easily see. But there are some very important structural things that we're starting to see. There is, you know, if you go down to the Gulf Coast, uh, it's uh, almost like an Apollo project when you start thinking about the opportunities for carbon capture and storage, for opportunities for hydrogen, for ammonia as a way to transport hydrogen. And I think it's a opportunity for a sector that's often been neglected by sustainability investors to really become part of this journey and part of this transition story. And it is going to touch all of us, whether we're working in a green building, like we are here in DCW, or what the car we drive, the airplane we fly, what that airplane is fueled by, or how some of these structural things that we often don't see about how energy is moved, how carbon is stored, how they operate. And I think it's a very, very exciting time.
0: Well, so I know you've talked a bit about the U.S. and the EU, which obviously are very large parts of the equation. But can you talk a little bit about um, what's going on globally?
1: Yeah, and I think for about the past decade, China has been a leader in this thing. And in finance, we are very focused on the rate of change. Right? And in some cases, you know, the derivative of the rate of change, and how are things moving, and where is the inflection point? But the thing to remember is that when it comes to clean technology, China is still a dominant player. Just looking over the last year, we, uh, you know, China spent probably five hundred fifty billion dollars on clean tech. U.S. spent about hundred and fifty. So while in the U.S. we're definitely seeing an inflection point in this. The supply chains, the technological advantage is really still sitting in East Asia. And obviously this is not immune from the global geopolitical trends that we're seeing in the broader macroeconomy. There are many ways that this can evolve and companies themselves are facing interesting choices. How do they select their supply chains? How do they cite their locations? Beyond China, There is now a whole ring of countries that are looking to be part of this solution and be part of the global supply chains for clean technology. We're seeing them more capable of establishing production facilities. We're seeing their governments considering how do they become part of the story. we have seen, for example, India provide support for photovoltaics. But it's a really interesting choice for a company now thinking about where do you want to be given policy support where do you want to be given geopolitical positioning and we are seeing very very dynamic space here over 50 billion of investment and the battery supply chain has been announced in the u.s and it's something that will continue to intersect with the geopolitical story that we're seeing more broadly around technology and around global competition, but for our part, we will be particularly focused on this issue.
0: Well, so those are a lot of, I think, positive policy elements. It's great to see both the regulatory environment and capital directed to a challenge that faces us and that our investors want to find ways to underwrite, that being low-carbon transition. But obviously, There's regulation that's challenging, uh, and I think a lot of that comes in the form of disclosure requirements, uh, labeling, uh, is your fund uh, ESG or a sustainable fund, showing your homework, essentially, doing what you say you're doing. And then finally, taxonomy, as in what is green? How do we define what is green? And there's been a lot of debate globally. Uh, I think different jurisdictions have been taking different approaches. The European Union obviously has moved out ahead of uh, others in trying to really reshape capital so that it's underwriting sustainable investments. They've done this through a number of regulations that affect asset managers such as ourselves. The key headliner regulation of which is uh, the Sustainability Disclosure Standards Um, The Article 8 and Article 9 kind of definitions that they are trying to get investors to show their work and and define sustainability. Challenging, though, as it may, uh, I think some would suggest that their definitions aren't as clear as they should be. But more importantly, that they also necessarily don't align to what other jurisdictions are doing. Um, we've got the SEC, uh, who has several ESG-related or climate-related rulemakings in front of them. And also the UK's FSA as well uh, is working on a labeling and disclosure regime. So the good news is that ESG investing, if you will, is getting appropriate attention and scrutiny. Because if you asked you know, any of us on our team or in the firm or among our clients, what is ESG investing? Uh, I think you'd get a lot of different answers. Uh, And that's part of the problem that we're trying to solve for. Be clear about your intentions, be clear about what you're doing. What is the difference between evaluating some of these very important financial factors in your investment process that have effects that extend uh, to your portfolio versus you know, investing in a way that's trying to underwrite important sustainability trends as well as achieve financial results. So the regulation is largely coming from a good place. How do you define this? Put it on paper. So Gary Gensler recently said that the point uh, of their climate uh, disclosure requirements is about achieving full, fair, and truthful disclosure, trying to bring some consistency to disclosures that are already in the mix. Uh, I, I think that's the right approach, certainly. Uh, we are already using a lot of this information as we evaluate these risks uh, in portfolios. And regulation is global. There are standards that are requiring this of corporations that have been passed or that are in the process of being passed. And you know, we have to be aware of all of these different trends uh, and requirements across jurisdictions as a global asset manager. In some ways, a lot of the attention on disclosure and labeling really helps define the portfolio mix, uh, the intent of of the investor. How are you constructing this information? How are you using that to achieve investments on behalf of your clients? And that's an important part of what we're trying to do here. Navigate, interpret, utilize this information, work with regulators to help shape and define some of these standards. And one of the things we've seen this year is that there's a huge uptick in rules that are being written and passed uh, in this regard. And that'll only increase rather than decrease. Uh, And that is a really good, I think, signal for the market that this type of investing, considering ESG factors, looking at climate, sustainable investing, is more than just a fad. And that we have to do it in a serious, intentional, incredible way, which is why you know, we are talking to you today, why we formed this group to help facilitate that across the firm.
1: Yeah, And I think that really aligns well into our focus on positioning clients' capital to benefit from some of these trends. So we'll be talking about uh, many of the specifics. We've touched on a number of this over the course of the year, but it's wonderful to take the time today. And uh, thank you for tuning in.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you for joining us today on TCW Investment Insights. For more insights from TCW, please visit tcw.com insights. This material is for general information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. TCW, its officers, directors, employees, or clients may have positions in securities or investments mentioned in this publication, which positions may change at any time without notice. While the information and statistical data contained herein are based on sources believed to be reliable, we do not represent that it is accurate and should not be relied on as such or be the basis for an investment decision. The information contained herein may include preliminary information and or, quote, forward-looking statements, end quote. Due to numerous factors, actual events may differ substantially from those presented. TCW assumes no duty to update any forward-looking statements or opinions in this document. Any opinions expressed herein are current only as of the time made and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.